Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Frets. I'm joined this week with Joe Gore. Hey, happy to be here with Jason and Daniel. And uh, as you heard on Monday, uh, we nerded out pretty deeply on Grateful Dead music and Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir. And so today we're moving to something a little more general in idea that's about developing a vocabulary. Because the thing I hear in Daniel's playing is how fluid he is, whether it's coming to playing Grateful Dead style tunes or even just straight up old style country so that's i know that was one thing we really wanted to dive into in today's episode yeah he uh, he uses the phrase uh to do your homework a lot you know to talk about ways to practice and this is uh definitely someone who's gets a gold star on all his homework but i have a question for you jason because unlike me and most of our listeners you have worked with daniel in the studio uh yes i want to put and i want to hear about big- that experience I'm going to put studio in big quotes because uh, we uh, he did it remotely. He played on uh, my band's first record, uh, band's called The Bamboozlers. We uh, uh, thought he'd be great for it. We we sent it to him, and he went above and beyond. He, he sent back, I don't know if this has been your experience when you've done remote things, Joe, for other people, but he sent back uh, like 11 different takes <laughs> of the solo. No. And <laughs> so lazy old cuss. What's that? I no no I know I don't do anything like that. <laughs> so he sent me eleven takes of the solo, and uh, the I don't know if it was the the one that was labeled number one. I think was the one we we ended up with. Uh, so we just kind of took the first, but they were all album worthy. Like that well, was of the course thing. they we were. Yeah, yeah, we I mean, could have put any one of those on the record. So did we? Did we mention he did his homework? Um, he he very much did his homework. I didn't even give him a chart or chords. I just sent him an MP3 and let him loose. Yeah, talented and, uh, young dude. So uh, today we're talking about building a vocabulary. And uh, also I want you to check out Daniel's new record, which was produced by Robin Ford. Uh, it's called A Young Man's Country. Uh, it's some pretty, pretty out there psychedelic country and lots of guitar, lots and lots of guitar. So make sure to check that out, and we'll uh, hop right into this conversation with Daniel Donato. Hey, Daniel, in the past, you've talked about how important it is for a guitar to have a guitarist to have an identity, uh, that it's ideal if they have so much personality that you can recognize them almost instantly as soon as you hear them. But you've mm-hmm. also found great success within the country genre, which is um, mm-hmm. very much about... Uh, the past honoring traditions you have a huge uh you know musical um and lyrical vocabulary that's has this world of associations 
attached to it. Mm-hmm. So as a creative artist, how do you thread the needle between honoring the past and paying tribute to the tradition, but also trying to um, forge your own path and uh, step away from what's been done before? A modern peer of mine, um, and the modern peers are the people that are hardest to, uh, to, t- to take wisdom from because you're kind of in contention with them in some way. In some way, especially because I'm a pretty competitive person, um, unfortunately, sometimes. But um, Billy Strings, man, I think he's just such an innovative uh, character in music and uh, guitar world. And uh, he talked about how you kind of have to have this connection to the source of whatever it is you're trying to uh, lend value to. So his thing is bluegrass, right? Acoustic guitar, uh, capo, open strings, chromaticism, really fast, single note stuff. Expensive picks. Yeah, really expensive picks. You got to put a down payment on. And it's like, um, he talks about how Bill Monroe is kind of the source. And country music has its sources, man. And um, especially for some of the guitar players, they're still alive. And just earlier today, I was having a conversation with Brent Mason um, for my podcast. And he's a really great example on how to answer that question. Cause he's able to do both, man. A lot of people here living in Nashville that want to, uh, have a career in music. Their whole thing is they want to play sessions. And the whole idea of that is, is how much can you kind of, um, day trade your identity and kind of just go with what's, what's up today. Right. Oh, so like edge style dotted eighth note delay parts are in for, for this for this quarter, then I'm gonna get the best Strymon delay pedal on the market and learn how to do that, right? And then when the new John Mayer record comes out and all the new country songs are gonna start having really soulful bends, then every good hard player is gonna break out their strat and do that. And that's really cool. And Brett Mason is the Floyd Mayweather of that, <laughs> of that realm. Um, but he's also the Brent Mason of Brent Mason and he sounds like himself. <laughs> and so those are my favorite guys. Um, and Jerry Garcia had the best quote ever, uh, to answer that question, which is, um, the goal is to not be the best at what you do, but to be the only one doing what you do. And I think the people whose careers really stand out once they're gone are the people who really did that. And uh, Jimi Hendrix is pretty much, I think, like the source for that. And I'm having my first existential crisis in life because I realized Hendrix was 27 when he died. And he was already Hendrix for a number of years, and I'm already 25, and I'm nowhere close to that. Uh, well, so, he's, he was everything you know about Hendrix. Yeah. Was everything before 27. Obviously. I know, I mean, man. Like, that's the craziest. That's the craziest. I had the same thing. When I turned 27, I was like, so every note you've ever heard of Hendrix, <laughs> he played... Before he was the same age you oh are. Oh my right god! I was uh, Robin Ford and I did this record. He produced my latest record, and we were signing 500 vinyl. Everyone who is in the Cosmic Country Club ordered a vinyl, and they got them signed by Robin and I. And um, there's video of it. We're talking about when he saw Hendrix, and Hendrix was like 25 at the time. I went and did the math. So he's my age, and Hendrix came out on stage, and he said, "Every so many people in the front row passed out that it knocked him over, and he fell to the ground." <laughs> I'm, oh my God, like, are you serious? That's insanity, man. So that's, that's a totally, uh, you know, that's digressing wildly off your path. I figured that was a, a good uh, article to share. I think the best stay thing- away, Stay away from the brown acid, they used to say. <laughs> There's a thing that I love to do. Um, I think the best thing to do when it comes to, on a, on a quantitative next action base for every guitar player that wants to form their own identity on the guitar, I think the best thing to do is if you, 
you need to form an identity that that has value that's worth its weight in the gold and the only way to do that is to mimic somebody else to the same degree that they're at uh ernest hemingway used to write out people's stories on his typewriter so he knew what it felt like to write a story that was great right you can't just make an invention and say it's good that's not a very valuable invention. So I would suggest learning something that would surprise you to execute. I'm always trying to surprise myself. If I can surprise myself, that means I'm pushing forward. Because um, the things that I play now that are a high technical level or have a lot of notes with great accuracy, stuff doesn't impress me as much because I've been able to do it for a number of years. So I need to keep seeking. So if I'm learning something by Jerry Reed, like the claw. <laughs> Very unique approach to guitar, right? I'm going to take that, learn it just the way Jerry did, and if Jerry was in front of me, in that chair next to me, I, and I played it for him, he would be impressed. That's the level that you got to get at. And then I like taking something from there and literally moving it to somewhere else in the fretboard. And so recently, I had, I learned this. I'm like, okay, well, where else can I move that? Well, I can move it. I'm on the E and B string right now. Fret five on both. Fret four on B, fret five on E. Why can't I just move that down to the B and G string? So now I'm on fret 10 B, fret nine G. Okay, well then can I also do this? Can I do harmony on the A string? Can I do that flat seven, that G? In Nashville, we use everything. We use numbers to substitute for everything. But that's also scale tones, which is basic you know, music theory. Um, can I not do that? Then can I not go here? Can I go here? Can I go here? Okay, that's a little bit different off what Jerry did. That's cool. Can I finger roll it? That's really cool. Okay, so now I can go. That's something I haven't heard someone really play before. Maybe it's close, but it might not be 100% what somebody played. And I think if you do that with, a, with, with, a, with patience, persistence, and positivity, and you do it for a number of years, you will start to craft out a style. Uh, but the first thing is that it will not come fast. That is the, that if you want something to come fast to you, it will not, be, it will not stay for long. Yeah, I, I found that in, in college, and I would like work hard to do, we had to do a lot of transcriptions, and I would dig deep into a, a Grand Green transcription. Yeah. Or a Pat Martino transcription, and I and for me it was an it was an assignment. Like, okay, I have to get this done by Tuesday. Or That's awesome. And I crashed. You know, it feels like it was almost like a crash diet. Like I crashed, spent tons of time uh, learning it, worked it out, wrote it out, refined it, learned it, played it for a while. Yep. Stuff would creep into my playing, yep. but the stuff that didn't like is completely has completely left my conscience. Right. Like I couldn't. The, 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 I, I trim the fat and everything else is completely gone. That's the difference know. to me in a key sense between memorizing and understanding a concept. Um, I got 100 in Spanish. Astounding. I did so well in Spanish. And I played a festival in Mexico last year and I sounded like an idiot when I tried to speak to everyone at customs because I realized I memorized Spanish. Um, I, you were really good at Spanish class. Exactly. <laughs> and so you need to very much so put the information if if you if you intend to keep it uh you need to put it in contention you need to put it under a stress test so you can come to understand something and really synthesize it into those neurons into those pathways that really form musical ideas on the spot you know what i mean and so that's like the biggest thing in my opinion 
So are you saying it's, I mean, it's how systematic is this? I follow what you're saying about your process yeah. is that first you need the source material and you, and you, you know, you go deep and try to absorb what someone's done before. Is it literally part of your routine that every time you practice, you will say, okay, now's the time where I take what I've learned and try to twist it in a distinctive way? Yeah, 100%. Like, and so if it's like every time you practice, that's part of your process? Every time I go to take in information. So every, everything that I'm doing now, that's like when it comes to learning and taking in information, right? So if I am practicing something that's very technical and I'm trying to get down a motor skill, I, I organize practice into two. Uh, into two, uh, almost like West Egg, East Egg from the Great Gatsby, like two sections. Um, I nice non-creative and then creative. So I practice non-creative and then I practice creative. And I think if you can delineate those two, that's a great step up. Cause can you give us some, give us some examples. Great example. Right. Okay. So a creative tool is the Mixolydian mode. But you can also practice it non-creatively by really getting down the athleticism of being, an of being a musician. I approach music just like an athlete. I watch my diet. I sleep with CBD-enhanced gloves on my hands uh, that, that help like, circulate blood flow to my hands at night. I don't bite my nails. I take tons of biotin. I'm very much an athlete when it comes to music. Steam my voice every day. Like, it's the same thing. I'm trying to dedicate my whole psyche to being great at music and uh, fulfilling my potential. So if I want to do something that's non-creative, I will practice the Mixolydian mode as if it's a rule, very Eastern approach. So take the Mixolydian mode and practice it in intervals of four in the key of A. One, two, three, four, two, three, four, five, three, four, five, six, four, five, six, flat seven, five, six, flat seven, one, and just go. Okay, do that for a certain amount of time every day as if it were something that's non-creative, like doing push-ups, right? Joe, you wanna go to the beach, you wanna get that beach body, right? And you wanna, you wanna make sure everything looks, <laughs> looks right on the money. If you're gonna start doing calisthenics, you're not just gonna like, oh, I'm just gonna go do calisthenics for three hours. No, it's like, you're gonna do 10 sets at you know seven rounds and you're gonna know for how long you're doing it and you're gonna have a quantitative a uh, non-creative goal attached to it. So I go on my iPhone every day and I'll practice those just for 10 minutes, right? If I can do that for 10 minutes every day, that means I'm going to be over an hour at non-creative better each week, which is over four hours each month. That's a long time. So that's a non-creative approach. I set my timer. I hit my time goal. I know how fast I'm doing on the metronome because I have a log for it and I'm done. Now, if I want to go creative, that's where I'll go more right brain. I'll, 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 I'll rely less on time and I'll just let myself do it until I get sick of it. And I'll come up with ideas or I'll, I'll listen for Mixolydian mode within people's playing, such as Jerry Garcia used it all the time. Um, most people play in Mixolydian because Mixolydian mostly is major and minor. That's really what it is. And it's so... Mixolydian, I don't even know if it, it, it is a mode, right? It is, but it's not hard to understand like the rest of the modes are. It's very much like a, it's like a store brand mode. It's not, <laughs> you know, it really is. It's the easiest mode. You're telling me I got to change that one note? That's, that's insane. Uh, so, and uh, the way that I love to induce creative concepts and trying to stay inspired creatively is simply just to move things out of different registers. 
Um, you know what I mean? When we're playing guitar, we're also feeling the guitar. And that means you're reacting to the timbre of certain strings. Um, so, if, you know, if let's say you want to go learn uh, the Queen of California solo by John Mayer. So... I want to challenge everybody to try to play that in every register on the guitar possible and tell me you won't come up with a new idea. That's new. Or... That's new too, right? And so it's like, really it's about leaving no money on the table. So I love to kind of like, when you, you know, do you want, you want your salad before your, before your entree? No one wants to eat the salad first. So I think, but the people who do eat the salad, ultimately that's a better diet, right? So if you can get the salad out of the way and start your practice session with a non-creative approach that requires discipline, it requires a mental consciousness, and you're here in the moment practicing, your phone's not in sight, you're practicing for 10 minutes, that's perfect. I used to do it for an hour a day. Now I do it for 10 minutes a day. And then I go for more creative long hauls. So I hope that makes sense. I, I could go on that for days, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it totally makes sense. It's and totally, yeah. I'm going to uh, give full credit to my good buddy, Kim Perlek, who runs the guitar department at Berkeley. Oh, wow. Uh, for giving me this idea for a question is, what would you sound like, Daniel? And we'll wrap up our episode of this. What would you sound like if you were your favorite guitar player? I am my favorite guitar player. Hmm. So I would sound just like me. You have to. I really think you you got to be your favorite guitar player. The, I yeah. think the you're, the person that you're that is your favorite someone that you aspire to be. And I'm constantly trying to aspire to be better than I was yesterday. So if I'm alive tomorrow, that means I have a responsibility to beat who I am today. I hope it doesn't sound egotistical. <laughs> no, I thought, no, I was, I was just going to say, to a lot of people it probably does. Yeah. But if, if you look at it another way, I mean, if you're a thoughtful player who is, has been um, expansive and ambitious in what you've cultivated you know you're playing it's like your it's like your personal scrapbook Man. or your family history or your dna sequence it's if it's honest it, it is who you are and if if it and if you don't like who you are um there's some, something something broke along along the way there's some thought so I, that I, needs- I, I, I hate to say it but i i i kind of know what you mean and i sometimes harbor those feelings too not to say i'm the you know uh, you may very well be the best. I'm certainly. Not. I'm certainly but not. It's, it's not. It's not. But that's you know. But that's not the point. It's like you you play this way theoretically because certain things moved you in life. Certain things inspired you. You were driven by a certain goal. You wanted to be perceived yeah. a certain way. And if if your playing is who you are, it's like a sign of mental health to, to you know to like yourself and to like your playing. Man, I think a, I think a lot about that stuff. Man, I really spend a lot of time daily thinking about those things. Hours. And so many don't. So many people. So many people are so harsh on themselves because they can't be someone else, or um, you know, frustrated frustrated with their practice. And um, I think it would be. I think it would be healthier if more people were greater fans of their own playing man that's what i'm saying and i, I think the best i think the, a, a great way to start thinking on that is um it's a cell we say when we do on cosmic country tours we have this thing uh before each show where we say it's a celebration not a presentation right it's not a powerpoint it's not a meeting with the c-suite of the company and you're not going to lose your job right it is you celebrating where you're currently at and you and it's also it's an appreciation it's a love letter to getting better tomorrow 
And if you're working in the state of mind, Joe Rogan talks about all the time, where if you're working in a state of mind where you can just, where you're working where things get better, that's it. Bob Dylan said, music is not a place you arrive at. And I think if, you, if you're not a fan of yourself, you're probably thinking that you have to arrive somewhere and you're not going to arrive somewhere. John Mayer is a perfect example of never arriving somewhere. He's constantly changing, but he's always been really great. So if you look at anything he's ever done, it's never not been great. So how do you, you know, I mean, if you're just great in, you know, over two decades in many different ways, that sounds way better than just arriving at some place you think is perfect. Um, so I hope I don't sound egotistical. I hope I sound slightly egotistical. I think you probably do have to be slightly egotistical to, to get good at something because that means you mm -hmm. think you can be, you know, I was 12 years old when I heard Slash play on Appetite for Destruction Paradise City and I thought I could do that. It's a little bit silly, like to be like, I could do that. No, I sounded terrible for a second, but I needed to have the illusion that I could. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's, I a, remember that's a great in, question. In high school, I you know, have to go visit the guidance council. What do you want to be? I was like, well, I want to play guitar. She goes, yeah. no, no, really? No. Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, and I wasn't necessarily saying I want to be a famous guitar player. I just wanted to play guitar. You went, yeah, and you, you found a great way to monetize that and bring value to the world and have a great life. And, you, and you're super talented. This is true. I mean, it's like, that's such a fear-based answer. Um, fear-based answers are not fun. And I think when yeah. people give you fear-based answers out of that, I mean, that's just them, uh, you know, in a subconscious way, giving themselves a fear-based answer. And then they're trying to justify it by communicating the same fear to you. And so refuting fear is a big thing. And so living in Nashville, there's a lot of people that do not want you to play too, they, our record, uh, too, the drums are too loud, the guitar's too reverbed out. Like, no, it's not. It's just not what you think it should be. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Uh, neither was Jerry Garcia. Right, you know, so. exactly. All right, well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us today. He's going to be back uh, once again on Friday. And, yeah. Uh, so stick with us, and uh, we'll talk soon. TGIF. Thanks, Daniel. What a, what a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.